0: Welcome to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Hello, I'm Pastor Craig Beeman, and today we'll be looking at, is there a servant in the house? Servanthood, is there a servant in the house? We'll be looking at Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45, so grab your Bible and let's dive right in. We're looking at servanthood this morning. Here we have some disciples uh, that you just heard about. Some of these followers of Christ who had not yet learned what it means to follow him and to engage in the lives of others. And that's putting it nicely there. Um, Their focus was on themselves. Their focus was on what do I get can I, oh, can I sit at your right hand oh when, when this kingdom happens can, can i can I sit there jesus desire is that their focus be on others, not themselves. Have you ever desired to be a servant? Most of us think of servants as those who worked in the homes of the, the rich and the famous. Many of us may even think of the uh, show on uh, Masterpiece Theater, Downton Abbey. And we look at the lives of the servants there. We may think of Emily Post and her book of manners. Uh, if you look at the 1929 uh, copy or the 1945 copy, you know, the older copies of Emily Post. It's uh, uh, I have a copy from 1945, 46 printed on special paper thinner paper because of the war uh, but she would refer to you know your servants that you have and I thought oh well <laughs> wow everyone has a butler everyone has a maid everyone has a footman everyone ha- or not a footman maybe but uh, everyone has a chauffeur I thought wow these were interesting times um, but when we think that way When we think of those types of servants, we we probably, in our minds, do not think, oh, I want to be a servant. Many times we would look at that, think about that, and think, let me be the one who is served. Let me be the one who is served. Uh, But Jesus calls on all of us to be servants. Servants. That is not really something we like to think about or to talk about or to rest our minds upon for too long of a time. Truthfully, many Christians would rather that service to others maybe would just prefer it not be a part uh, of what it means to be a Christian. They, they, They might prefer that that part of it not be in the definition of what it means to be a Christian, let's look at servanthood today. Jesus points out what comes of those who are thirsty for power. That's the first thing I want us to look at this morning. Uh, so these disciples, they wanted to sit in the seats of power. They were not yet thinking of others and their need to know Christ, they are still inwardly focused at this time. They're still thinking, boy, this is the king. They truly believe he is the Messiah. So they're good on that. They're good on that, believing that correctly. But that's as far as some of them had made it at this point. Oh, he's the Messiah. He's our king. He's come, finally, finally. And, oh, wow, where do I fit into this? He's called me to come alongside of him. So surely they, a couple of them feel, well, He'll, you know, why not ask? Can I be at your right hand? Can I sit at your right hand? Father, can I, can, can I do that, Jesus? Would that be okay? Look at verse 41. This is Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, and verse 41. It says, hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. So we find out who they are, the two disciples that asked this. And Jesus had responded, it's not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. But the other disciples, the ten, feeling indignant with James and John, they're upset with them. Now, some of us might look at this and say, "Well, they are upset with them for asking at all. This is ridiculous. How you know what a horrible thing we know better than to ask something like that. I can't believe they asked like something like this of Jesus." But as I looked into this passage, as I looked at several, uh, as I looked at the several scholars that looked at this, many of them feel that these disciples are not simply upset because they knew better. And would ne- have never desire the same goal as James and John. These ten were annoyed at James and John because they thought of it first. <laughs> they sought to get an advantage over the rest of them. And they're like, huh? well, they just outright asked. I mean, maybe there's another way we can find this information out. But they just outright asked. And I can't believe that they did that. Man, they're trying to get ahead of us in this kingdom that is going to happen. Look at verse 42, calling them to himself, Jesus said, hey, boys, come here, come here. Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them. Jesus points out of an example of those with power that they are seeking here. Just because you have power does not mean you have the right to abuse it or misuse it. In my notes, it said that y'all would say amen to that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Uh, <laughs> just because you have uh, the, the power doesn't mean you have the right to misuse it or abuse it. Oh my goodness! Think about that. It doesn't mean you just, oh boy, I've got the power. I'm just going to use it, misuse it, abuse it. I'm going to use it over people. I'm going to lord it over people. Jesus says, you know these people with power over the Gentiles. You know how they lord it over the people. You know this. You see this. You see how they exercise authority over them. Those who ruled over the Gentiles did it in a domineering, overbearing, and dictatorial manner. Now, he knows the hearts of these disciples, you understand. And he knows that they're, oh, power, boy, I can can sit at the right hand of Jesus and I can have some power too, and boy, this is awesome. Those who seek power, those who want power, usually have a wrong intent for wanting that power. The intent in their heart is not usually a good intent. Well, I want to be there. I want to have that power. Oh, all right. Plenty of television programs depicting people wanting power and desiring it and doing whatever they can to obtain it. Listen, just because you can does not always mean you should. Just because you have the power to ruin another's life doesn't mean you should. There are power-hungry people all over the place. They run for high offices like president and even small offices like the local school board or police jury. It's weird. You would think, well, now, if they want real, you know, big power, let them run for president. Well, they don't have the money. Oh, well, well, then they'll find something. They'll find a place somewhere where they can exercise some power over someone. Their reasons are selfish and self-serving. The example of those who hunger for power that Jesus mentions here is very well known to the disciples. They have seen this. They're very aware of how that worked. They're very aware of how the Gentiles are treated, and yet many felt that that was okay. The Gentiles, you know, were not highly looked upon in that day, those who were not Jews, all who are not Jews are Gentiles, and so they're not looked upon highly. Jesus takes this example as a way of pointing out the unfairness of their treatment, but also he points out the danger of being power hungry here. Being focused on having power can highly increase the possibility that that power will be abused So Jesus warns here against seeking power. He is fully aware of what happens to those who obtain that power with wrong intent. question for you this morning is, are you one who is hungry for power? Are you hungry for power? Do you have that inside of you that says, Boy, I'd like to be able to tell people what to do. I'd like to be able to instruct people to do this and do that and they go do it. I'd like to have that. That would, be, that would be nice. The second thing I see in this passage, Jesus points out, is the use of power with those who follow Him. So He's always, you see, you find Christ always kind of contrasting what is going on. Contrasting and actually giving the other side the positive He'll he'll raise a negative and then he'll bring a positive. He'll raise an evil and then bring truth against it. A good truth against it. And so this is what he's doing here. Look at verses 43 and 44. But it is not this way among you. You know how the Gentiles do it. You see how they have their power and how they use it. Ah, but here he says, but it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. Now, this is not really, I think, what the disciples may have wanted to hear here. It may not be what we want to hear here. It may not be that we would like to know that God wants us to be a servant to others, to serve others. It may not be something we want to think about. But Jesus points out that if you want to be great, you become that way by serving others. You become great by becoming a servant. That just sounds strange. That just sounds strange. I have had the great fortune of being a part of funerals of some very great people. Brother Craig, do you do a celebrity? Great in the Lord. Such servants that the, the church was packed because of their service to others. Because they spent their life serving others, others looked at them as great people. They were not people who made grabs for power. They were not people who said, look at me, look at me, aren't I great? You should praise me every time I walk in the room. You should make your way, stumbling if you may, over to me and shake my hand when I walk in the room because I'm so great. That is not the type of person Jesus is looking for. That is not the type of child that God wants to raise up and His family. He wants children who are willing to serve Him, willing to serve others, willing to put themselves out there and serve no matter what. I'll never forget the example, the very first example of service that I learned and grasped hold of when I was a a little boy. Growing up in First Baptist Church of Vivian, after church one night, everybody's leaving, going home. The custodian was going to show up later that night and make everything right for the next day, clean up, turn the lights off and everything. I tell you, you just left, you know, people just left, you just left. And the custodian was supposed to come and handle it all. And my dad said, hang around. I said, okay. I thought, what are we doing? Everybody left. He and I went into the fellowship hall. We started setting up chairs. I remember this. I asked my dad, doesn't the custodian do this? And he said, Yes, but it never hurts to help someone. But the custodian's paid to do that. And many of us would say, He's paid to do that. Come on, let him do his job. What in the world are you thinking? What is that all about? My dad taught me that we should never be. Too low, or too high, rather, to where we cannot step down low enough to help others. He taught me that nobody is above service. I will never forget that. I will never forget that. There we were, setting up chairs. I'm thinking, just making sure it got done. I don't know. Helping him. Helping the custodian. We're never too high to step down to help someone else. We become great by help becoming a servant. I want us to think about this. What happens when you serve a person over and over? Just think about this. Let's just think about this this morning. Why, why would Jesus say you become great when in your service to others? What happens when you serve someone Over and over and over. Just naturally what happens. Sooner or later, one of you is going to say, Hey, how are your kids doing? How are your grandkids? What's going on in your life? Sooner or later, some conversation is going to happen. And before long, you're going to be linking up with these people you're serving. They're going to see your heart. They're going to see how ready and how, how readily and how easily you just slip into that role of service to them. And they're going to notice that and they're going to think, wow, that, you know, boy, I like them. They're so, they're so helpful. They, they have a servant's heart. They have a servant's heart. And then when it comes time, or then if there is a time, if there is some type of position or anything... And I'm not saying you should... You, look, the right attitude is serving others. Sometimes you might be recognized publicly for it. But that's not why you do it. That's not why you serve others. You serve others because... Th- God has taught you that you are to be a servant. You serve others because you have a willingness and a desire to reach out and help others. There are occasions you might be recognized. I'll never forget a sermon I heard. The res- proper response when you're recognized is, Thank you. Thank you very much. Boom. That's it. Your humility. Your humility. And you, don't, you, you, know, you can't teach humility. I can tell you, be humble, be humble. But humility comes through Christ, through His Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's part of living with Christ in your life. If you ever are recognized for your service, let it not be because you convinced people that you wanted to be there, but because they knew you, and you serve them because you then have a huge responsibility to serve them more. If somehow you wound up in a place of power over others, let it not be because you grabbed for it. Let it not be because you worked the system to get there. Let it be simply because people noticed and said, we want you there. We've watched your service. We've see you care. We know you care. Because you have served us. But this is not what's happening here. These disciples thought, well, I just want to sit at the right hand of Jesus. Let me have that happen. And Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. There's a big difference between getting power on your own and being given power being given to you freely by those who know you and love you. I mean, they know you because you serve them. One of, the great, one of the greatest, I think, Baptist theologians that we've ever had as a Southern Baptist scholar, and we do have many, but one of the greatest, Herschel Hobbes wrote this. He said, The world measures a man's greatness by the number who serve him. All right? The world measures a man's greatness by the number who serve him. Heaven's yardstick measures a man by the number who are served by him. Oh, that's true. That's true. We go and we serve. Whether we're recognized or not. Whether we wind up in some place of of influence or not. We serve because we're the children of God. We serve Him. We serve His church. We serve the people around us in this community. You will find that in this serving of others, satisfaction. You're going to find purpose in life. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. He said, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Servanthood is not about us, it's about others. Servanthood is not about us being served, it's about us serving others. Serving others, meeting others' needs, being there. You know, it can be as simple as picking something up from the floor that someone in in front of you has dropped. Being a servant. Just being there, being helpful. We're not here to be served, but to serve. Any power we have has been given to us to serve others. Any power that you and I ever have has been given to us to serve others. We have had people that have been elected in our own community who understand this concept, and you know some of them. They understand they've been elected to serve, and they're always wanting to do the right thing. They're wanting to help others. They're seeking to help others. But as in every and any community around the world, you have others, you have some, there will always be some who have been elected and are happy they are elected because now they have power and they will use it and abuse it, and it's sad. But may we always understand that any power, any influence we have, it's been given to us by God to serve others with, not ourselves. In fact, Jesus, trying to make this point to the disciples, points to Himself as an example. Look at verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. One might think that coming from the great splendor and majesty of heaven, the Son of God Himself would be looking to be praised and worshipped. Look at from whence I came. I came from heaven. You would think that maybe Jesus would come and and, and just appear and and just wait for everybody to bow down and look at him and say, oh, it's him, it's him. And he would stand there and uh, just receive all this praise and glory. But Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve. Jesus did not come to be. Served by all of us, he came to serve us. That's an odd thing. This is not something the gods of the people at that time were like. Moloch required you to serve him with human sacrifice. These are some of the other gods, the people around them that they worshipped. Baal required you to serve him by bringing animal sacrifices. Dagon required you to serve him by bringing human sacrifice. The God called the Queen of Heaven required women who worshipped her to serve her by baking cakes. Interesting. Now if you, no, I don't want you worshipping me. But if you do have to bake a cake, I'm just saying, okay. But look, all of these pagan gods, they wanted the people to do something to sacrifice to them. And to give to them in this way. But here, here comes Jesus from heaven, and he comes down to our level, and he serves us. What in the world? This is unlike any other God that has ever existed. This is different. It ought to, take, it ought to cause people to sit up and take notice and say, Well, there's something different about this God, this Jesus. What is this? That he would come down here and serve us. That's odd. Most of the gods of that day required service to them in order to be in right relationship with them. Jesus came and he turns that upside down. And this act of coming to us, which the false gods of that day could not do and wouldn't were unable to do. He shows his concern for people. He shows his concern for people. The fact that he left heaven. And came to us is vital for our understanding of who He is. The coming of Christ to serve us and to die for us makes a substantial statement about God's love for us. Jesus was sent for us. Jesus was the sacrifice for the people. He came to provide forgiveness for us. The sacrifice of the people was not enough. It was not enough. They needed a perfect sacrifice. And that sacrifice was the Son of God Himself Coming down from heaven. This love of God was proven. In the sending. The coming. And the dying. Of Jesus on the cross. And yes. The resurrection. In Philippians. Chapter 2 we find this passage. Have this attitude in yourselves. Which was also in Christ Jesus. Who. Jesus' goal was not to be equal with God when he came to earth. That was not his purpose. His purpose was to empty himself for us. He came to serve us. He is our example of how we should live on this earth in serving others. Being like Jesus is God's desire for our lives. And it should be our desire. Others. Lord, yes, others. May this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may live like thee. Are you hungry for power? Any power you have has been given to you to serve others. Even Jesus did not come to be served, but he came to serve. He showed us the example of how we should live. He was the living example in front of his disciples of how we should live. So let me ask, is there a servant in the house? Is there a servant in this house? Are there some of us who have that servant attitude? Willing to serve the Lord. Willing to serve people in this world. Maybe you're here this morning and you do not have that attitude. You do not have that desire inside of you. Inside of you, is, is, it's, it's all about you. I mean... If you were to be open and honest, it's about what you want, what you would like, what you would like to see happen in your life, what you would like to uh, obtain in your life. And Maybe there's nothing inside of you that says, look, wait a minute, I need, to, I need to think about others. I need to serve others. I need my life to count in this world. Maybe today is the day you need to give your heart to Christ. To come and to say, look, I am a sinner. I've sinned against God. I want, I, I'm sorry for my sins. I want to repent. I want to turn away from my sin. I want Jesus to come into my heart. To forgive me of my sins. And to guide and direct my life. To be Lord of my life. Maybe today is the day you would like to make that decision to follow Christ. And you're thinking, I just can't put it off any longer. Would you come in just a few moments? We're going to be singing a hymn of response. Maybe today is that day when you give your life to Christ. Maybe you're still struggling with that decision. You're thinking, I don't know about it. I don't know. I've still got questions. Listen, I'll be around all week. And you've got people here in this church who love you and who would willingly talk to you about what it means to have Christ in your heart. Talk to someone. Please do not put it off. You don't have to make the decision right away. If you have questions, ask your questions. Have your questions answered as best as you can. I don't want anyone to make that decision to follow Christ and not understand that it means giving your life fully over to the Lord, allowing Him to work in your life, through your life in this world. I hope that you enjoy this time together today. servanthood, serving others. Others matter to God as well as you. And that's something we as Christians really need to concentrate and focus on. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And so he is showing us that we are here to serve others. Until next time, remember, you matter to God and to us at the First Baptist Church of Winsboro.